Welcome back to another special week in the wonderful world of Sasta. This is the official Sasta podcast brought to you by the godfather of Sass with Sasta, Jason Lemkin, and myself, Harry Stebbings of the 20 Minute VC. And you can add me on the old Snapchat at hstebbings with two Bs. Now joining me for the show today, we have a titan in the world of Sass, most famous as the co-founder of Marketo, where he helped build the business to $150 million in revenue, over 700 employees, 4,000 customers and a $1 billion IPO. Following the success of Marketo, he has gone on to found Engageo, an account-based outbound marketing platform for B2B companies with complex enterprise sales. Now for the show notes and all Sasta resources and articles, head over to sasta.com, that's S-A-A-S-T-R.com. But now it's time for me to pass over to the main man, John Miller, co-founder and CEO at Engageo. Good. That's perfect. Okay, I think we're warmed up. Well, John, wow. So awesome to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This is awesome. Now, I want to start off today with a little context on you, your background with Marketo and and now the founding of Engageo. So can you tell me a bit about yourself to start with? Well, sure. So, you know, I've been in marketing technology companies pretty much my entire career. Uh, Soon after college, I went to a company called Exchange which is arguably the leading marketing technology of the mid-90s. Then I was at uh, a company called Epiphany after business school, which was the leading marketing technology of the kind of internet bubble. When we sold Epiphany back in 2005, Phil Fernandez and I uh, decided to go start uh, Marketo. You know, I spent you know, almost 10 years at Marketo. And you know, about a year ago, started Engageo, which is you know, my, latest, my latest foray in this kind of exciting marketing technology space. Absolutely. And, and what a brilliantly succinct uh, description of your past. It's always a terribly hard question. Um, so, so I will, we'll get on to Engageo, but let's start off then with Marketo and being the behemoth that it is. I, I have to ask, what were the biggest kind of takeaways and learnings from that 10 year experience for you? And how have you applied them to the founding and development of Engageo? Sure. You know, I think there's both marketing technology lessons and also kind of just entrepreneurship lessons. Okay, should we start with the entrepreneurship and then move to the MarTech? Yeah, sure. One of the lessons that I think Phil always tried to really apply to Marketo is to grow everything in balance. You know, I think that you, you oftentimes see companies become very, very, you know, sales driven and dominated by sales mm-hmm. because they're like, we're going to hyper grow and hire a whole bunch of salespeople. Or you see companies become very engineering dominant because they're just, they're, they're product teams and that's kind of what we're going to do. But I think, you know, building a great long-term scalable company is very much about building in alignment, you know, and growing everything kind of you know, in lockstep with everything else, so things don't get out of whack. Uh, that, that's something Phil always applied to Marketo, and it's, I think, a really strong lesson that I'm taking to engage you. And what's nice about it is it gives me a roadmap. It, it sort of gives me good insights into what's the next hire need to be, and the higher after that, and the higher after that. It's an element you know, it's, of predictability, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, nothing's ever too, too predictable. That's, that's why I like using the word roadmap. You know, at least I have some sense of what the future looks like. So balance, I think, is definitely a Marketo lesson I, I applied. I think one thing that we never did, that uh, a lesson on the opposite side, something not to do, you know, I think at Marketo, we never paid enough time in the early days to building culture. 
because we focus on a bunch of other things, like getting the strategy right and the product right. Um, do, do you but, think actually that was just a sign of the times? Though? I mean, 10 years ago in, in, in SaaS companies, the, the rise of kind of the need for culture wasn't there so much, was it? It's only in recent years where we've really um, discovered the need for a cohesive, positive culture, would you say? That's probably true, but I think that's sort of the side effect of companies not doing it originally, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here saying my lesson learned from Marketo was we didn't spend enough time on it, and boy, that was a mistake. <laughs> so <laughs> here I am 10 years later doing it again, saying, all right, I have to be deliberate about this. So, so what are you doing then to be deliberate about culture? Are there any things that you're doing specifically with Engageo to kind of build a culture within your team? Sure. And again, I say this like, like this is not my wheelhouse. Like I'm not a, a natural culture builder. And that's why I use the word being deliberate about it. I have to lean into it. I have to sort of spend time and energy on it that I wouldn't nat- naturally otherwise do. The single biggest thing I'm doing is I am being deliberate. More specifically, uh, my co-founder and I defined our core values very, very, very early, you know, before we even had the product roadmap, even basically sketched out. We've been able to not change those core values, although we sort of have iterated how we communicate them, but, you know, keep them, keep them still, you know, keep them there. I would say they come up in the first or second interview we do with almost every candidate. And how do you test for those can- test for those values in potential candidates? It's often quite tricky, is it not? I, I, I think the best, I mean, I, I think it's really hard to do it through interview questions. And so, you know, for me, more than anything else, I try to get that from their references. You know, and, and you ask them, you know, show me, you know, give me examples of, you know, how they've done this, you know, how they've done that. And I will say there's a self-selection there, too. You know, when we are talking about values early on in the interview process, you know, I think that is attractive to candidates who feel similarly. Absolutely, um, and 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 helps us. I, you know, I talk about the values at every company meeting. I sound very much. I feel like a broken record talking about them, but I think that's important. You know, and then wherever possible, I try to use them, and we try to use them. You know, as ways to talk about our behavior. So, if two people are having a disagreement, I can use a line from from there. It was like, hey, you know, are you seeking to understand or seeking to be understood? Sure. No, they know that that comes from the core values, and I think it helps to kind of set the conversation properly. And so, you know, we don't have them printed on plaques. They're not laminated on a, on a wall anywhere. But, but I am trying to be deliberate about living them. And I'd love to discuss Engageo now. And, and I'd like to start with a, with a definition, actually, of, of really account-based marketing and, and a, a solid definition that you can provide us and how it differs from maybe other forms of marketing. Sure. So uh, there's an analogy, I think, that makes it really very clear. The kind of marketing that we did at Marketo and that you do with Marketo or the other marketing automation platforms or the inbound marketing tools, that marketing, I, the analogy I use, that's fishing with a net where you can put your campaign out there and you start getting responders, you start catching fish, and the key factor is... It works great if you don't care which specific fish you catch. You only care, did I catch enough fish? That model works really well when effectively there's a lot of fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a big market you're going after with lots of potential buyers. I always knew at Marketo that there's a whole other category of company that isn't going after lots and lots of lots of potentials, 
but has a named list of accounts. You know, that might be because you're going after a specific industry. It might be because you're trying to actually cross sell to your current customer base, or it might be because you, maybe you're trying to for- focus on the enterprise. And what those all have in common is you have a named list of accounts. These are the 100 or 200 or whatever number of accounts that I really need to get into. And when you have that, it doesn't make sense to wait around to see, just happen to see if any of the right per- people from those companies swim into your net. You know, that's not going to be efficient. You need to find proactive, targeted ways to reach out to the right people at the right companies. The analogy there is much more like fishing with a spear. So that, that, that's the definition. You know, if traditional demand generation is fishing with a net, then account-based marketing is fishing with a spear. Sure, a highly targeted, curated method of, of um, customer sourcing. Yep. Yeah. And then the only other nuance to that one is the fact that it is account-centric. Partly that's related to the fact that you're going after bigger deals where there are multiple decision makers, multiple influencers on the account. It's way too risky for you to single thread that process against one champion or one person. Any one person can say no. Or even if they say yes, they can leave the company or get promoted or get transferred or they can be on PTO. You know, And so if you're really reaching out to the right people, the right companies, You've got to do multiple people at the account. And I think that's where the account-based piece of this whole thing comes in. And what do you think are the fundamental benefits of this then as opposed to the other more traditional methods? Why should Say I've got a young SaaS startup. Why should I think about implementing it into my business? So I'm not saying that ABM is better than demand generation or inbound. I'm saying that it is different. And I think it has almost everything to do with the size of your target market and your average selling price. If you're selling stuff that's below 1000 or probably even $2,000 a month of MRR, probably are going to be better off fishing with nets. You know, if you're selling these 20, sub-25K deals, you know, almost by definition, you have to be selling that to a lot of people, potentially a lot of people, in order to have a large enough target market size. Yeah, to warrant the sales team's wages, you're going to need to have high ARPU. <laughs> Yeah, so so the point is sub 25k annual, you should probably fish with a net. And that's what we did at Marketo, and it was great. It's wildly efficient. When you can get that inbound content engine going, have at it. Where you need to be thinking about account-based strategies and outbound strategies is when you're 50k, 200k, a million dollar deals. That that's when just by definition you're going to be more effective if you're reaching out to these accounts in a relevant way. So reaching out to the right accounts in a, in a really hyper-targeted, relevant way. You know, put it another way, let's just say that you know, one of our customers is Curie, Q-U-R-I, and they sell to the 100 largest consumer packaged good companies, you know, companies like Procter & Gamble and Clorox and things like that. And they know, I think, the seven different personas that they need to talk to at these accounts, which means there are just not that many human beings in the world that Curie wants to have a relationship with. If they are sending a generic message to any one of those human beings, they are sub-optimizing their chances. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't work in mass email to a PNG. <laughs> yeah. Why? No, it, it, and the sizes of their deals, of course it's worth it to spend the time to research that account and that person and to customize your outreach to them in a way that's going to be more relevant with better chances of success. So what do you think can be done then to show that customization and that personalization, the effective touches that can convert a PNG into a customer, do you think? The ITSMA, who originally coined the term account-based marketing, they, they have a, a study, a survey they did, 
where they found that 75% of executives were willing to respond to unsolicited outreach if that outreach contained ideas that helped them advance their business. You know, and, and actually, it was a higher percentage from executives than non-executives. Because it's executives, their job is to be bringing new innovations and ideas. You know, what we need to do is we need to find a way to reach out to an executive with ideas that are relevant to both their industry and to their specific business in a way that, that teaches them in a way that is then also tailored to really resonate with that individual. You know, if you've read the challenger sale, you know, from the corporate executive board, mm-hmm. that's exactly what they talk about. The best salespeople teach and tailor, you know, when they're, when, you know, it's part of the sales process. And we're basically trying to bring that same concept earlier into the process with, with, and with support for marketing. In terms of tailoring, do you not need to, to test that a lead is potentially warm and receptive to a sale before you do spend a lot of time tailoring content towards them and trying to onboard them with your content? Because otherwise, would it not be um, a significant waste of time if you tailor content and then it just transpires that they're, they're not looking for a new, uh, I don't know, cloud? No, I disagree. I think that that's a very short-term view. That, that's kind of a, you know, and I, I don't mean that prerogatively or pejoratively, that is a fishing with the net mentality, which is you only want to talk to people who are in market. You know, if you're Curie and there are only 100 companies in the world you're going to sell to, you should be talking to every one of them, no matter whether or not they're in market or not. You know, and you should be trying to educate and teach in order to help them understand why they perhaps should be making a purchase. So again, to me, it's, it's about finding the right set of accounts and the right people and reaching out to them before they're in market because you're going to be helping them to get there. And by the way, study after study, it shows if you can do that, if you can actually be the impetus to help create the deal, you can either single source the deal or at a minimum help to influence the direction so that you're coming in as column A and not column B. You know, we all know that's been proven to have dramatically higher average selling prices, better win rate, better deal velocity once it becomes a deal. Well, I'm proved thoroughly wrong, <laughs> um, but but that's what's great about being an interview host. Um, but, but 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 that that matters when the account, when the deal sizes are large enough, and also because when they do decide to change, if you've been there providing great content for for a while, you'll be front and center when they're looking exactly. for a new provider. Uh, and then I mean, I'd love to move into the sixty second Sasta now. So it's a quick fire round on uh, one question, sixty seconds. How does that sound? Sure. So the main ABM channels. So these are the channels you're going to use to, be, to reach out to the right people, the right accounts. Mm-hmm. I think by far the most important channel is what I call human email. You know, and by human email, I mean not the stuff that comes automated out of a machine or marketing automation, but the stuff that humans at your company send to humans at their company, whether that's a sales development rep prospecting to an account or an AE communicating with the right people or an account manager doing customer success. You know, this is the stuff that's coming from Gmail and Outlook that should be customized and personalized, even if the elements of them have, have, have similarity. And so then- by far, I think that's the most important channel. Some of the other important channels are going to be events. Uh, I'm a big fan of direct mail. You know, just think about how many emails you get per day versus how many packages show up on your desk. And then, and then one of the biggest mistakes you see people make in ABM You've got to, in ABM, you have to start by building the right target account list. You know, that is the fundamental piece of success. That's, that, that is step one. 
you know, and so, you know, that means marketing and sales sitting down and agreeing on which of the accounts that we're going after. And then also what level of effort we're putting into each of these different accounts, whether you have a tier one or a tier two, you know, because you're not going to necessarily do the full level of customers research and customization on every account. You might do light on some accounts. Get your target list, prioritize them and understand what kind of effort you're putting into each one. That is success. And so the number one mistake people make is not doing that upfront work. You know, of of aligning on the right accounts, uh, and then the hardest element of growing Engageo from scratch for you, for me personally, yeah. Um, I mean, I know, and any reader of Sapster knows, these are not quick flips. You know, these are you know, building a great SaaS business is a seven to ten year journey. You've got to do that in a way that respects your health and your family and <laughs> and all those other things. And I know that intellectually, but personally, I find it really hard. You know, when I go all in, I go all in. Pacing myself, knowing that this is a long journey, uh, I find challenging given, you know, how excited I am to kind of do things. And then I want to talk then a little about data now and, and how important a role data plays in an effective ABM strategy. Uh, what are the figures that, that we should be really looking at? Well, I think there's data you want to look at both in terms of uh, picking the accounts and understanding the accounts. And then there's also data you want to look at to understand how well are you actually, you know, doing in terms of engaging with those accounts. You know, on the top end, in terms of picking the accounts, that is the most important thing you're going to do. You know, there's the process of defining your ideal customer profile, whether or not you understand that already or you need to use analytics to figure out what the ideal customer profile is. And then going and finding companies that match using either just simple data like firmographics, company size, industry, uh, or more advanced data, like technographics, what technologies that company uses. You know, here at Engageo, I really care what market automation system you have and what you use for your internal email. So having access to that data helps me pick my target accounts. You know, all the way up to intent data and other kind of uh, data signals you might get from predictive vendors. So there's a whole spectrum of how sophisticated you can be on data in terms of picking the right accounts. And then moving down the stack, you said uh, there's picking them and then how well you're doing with them. Yeah. You know, I think, I think uh, people really struggle with then measuring account-based marketing um, because the way that we're used to measuring marketing, counting number of leads, number of attendees at events, uh, number of responders, even kind of number of uh, marketing qualified leads and, and, and opportunities, what those all have in common is we're counting stuff and we're measuring qu- quantity. And in ABM, what we really need to be doing is measuring quality. For the list of accounts that I care about, do I have a relationship? Am I connecting with the right people? Do I have access to the right people? Is my relationship deepening over time? We think that there's actually five metrics that we talk about people should use to complement the traditional metrics. Number one is coverage. Do you just have the right contacts? Number two is awareness. Do people at that account even know who you are? Number three, engagement. Do the right or do they spend time with you? Do the right people from these accounts spend time? Is that time in deepening? Number four is focus or reach, which is if you hold an event, I don't care how many people show up, I want to know how many of the right people showed up. What percentage of all the attendees were the right people? And then lastly is impact or influence, finding correlations. So for that event, did the accounts that had somebody who attended that event end up having better win rates? You know, if so, you can claim some credit perhaps. 
you know, that, that event helped to increase win rates. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the way I remember all these, by the way, Nunomic is I care for impact, coverage, awareness, reach, and engagement. Fantastic. What a, what a great mnemonic. Um, and, and then back to it, we've, we've spoken a lot about ABM there, and I'd love to hear about account-based sales development and how ABM and ABSD integrate and work together. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for account-based sales development. You know, I mean, I've given speeches for the last year about account-based marketing, and one of the first things I tell everybody is that account-based marketing is a terrible name. Because it's not just marketing, you know. I mean, in order to do this right, marketing and sales and sales development are working together. You know, you asked me earlier, what's the most important channel for ABM? And I talked about sales development, <laughs> you know, and human email, human sending emails. So I actually think that in the next year or so, we're going to start calling it not account-based marketing, but we're going to start calling this thing account-based everything. Because it's about account-based marketing and account-based sales development and account-based selling and account-based customer success coordinated around the concept of an account. And I think where you're seeing that happen the most at SaaS companies today is in the sales development organization. These teams that have been built up in the last two years to prospect into accounts, but they've been doing it single-threaded. You know, they've been having Mike, you know, the SDR Mike, reach out to Sarah, the CMO at a target company, and single-threading that. And as I said earlier, that's a huge mistake because any one person can say no. The whole idea of doing this from an account-centric perspective is to multi-thread it. So you're reaching to multiple people to multi-step it. (laughs) So you're kind of sequencing out a a play that runs over time and to do it in a kind of multi-channel, multi-department way where you're, yeah, the SDR is doing phone and email and social but marketing is also coming in with additional taps around you know, advertising and events and direct mail and so on. It's when you can get all those coordinated together into a play that I think we're going to have the best chances of reaching the target account. And you heard it here, ABE, account-based everything. That was here first on the official Sasta podcast. We're going to coin that one. Um, and then I want to finish then by talking about Engageo and, and the product roadmap. So what lies ahead for the next five years for Engageo? What's, what's in the pipeline? What have we got to look forward to? Our, our next product is, is going to be a tool to help companies build and manage these plays. You know, and again, by play, you know, think of a football play. I've got 11 guys on my side and 11 guys on your side. How am I lining all those up in order to you know, achieve the goals of moving that relationship forward? And the 11 quote-unquote guys on my side can be SDRs and salespeople and executives and marketing people and customer success managers. You know, so what we're building is a tool to really synchronize those interactions across departments and channels to kind of move things forward. So I think you know, that's going to be a platform that gives us a lot of legs to build on adding more channels, more forms of insight, uh, and becoming relevant to more and more you know, pieces of the organization. Well, John, thank you so much for, for coming on the official SASTA podcast and sharing your journey with Engageo and the lessons from Marquette. It really was wonderful to have you on, and, and I'm you. really appreciative. Cheers. Please hang up and try again.
Okay, my word, what a deep dive that was into account-based sales development and account-based marketing. And a huge thank you to John for giving up his time today to be on the show. It really was so fantastic to hear about his journey with Marketo and now the exciting times ahead with Engageo. And if you'd like to follow the legend Jason Lampkin on Twitter, then you can at JasonLK. Likewise, you can find me on Snapchat at HStebbings. That's Stebbings with two Bs. Also, if you would like all the resources and articles associated with the show today and Sasta in general, then head over to sasta.com that's s-a-a-s-t-r.com and if you're loving the show we'd be so grateful if you could leave a review on itunes it really does make a huge difference and we look very forward to bringing you friday's episode with david council at drift